Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at The Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at The Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael DePodpina. I'm Rohan Nakani, joined today by my, you know, we're just out here surviving in the heat together, uh, making it work. He's the host of the Sports Illustrated Weekly Podcast. It's John Gonzalez. John, how's it going, buddy? Ro, yeah, uh, I think like much of the country, uh, we're just trying not to be on heat overload. Uh, a little bit. No, I don't think top. it's like much of the country. Actually, I think it's the western part I, of the country. I think it's. <laughs> well, it's okay, like the whole world, perhaps. really. I mean, if we're talking about it truthfully, <laughs> yeah. If we're yeah, if we're zooming out, you know, a, a five thousand feet, it is the whole world. But I mean, we're dealing with this this heat dome or whatever they're calling it, and it's bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, L.A. They tell you generally it's, you know, 75 and sunny all year round. And, and that tends to be true, especially on the west side, but uh, not in this last week. So just trying to stay cool, but uh, still talking NBA basketball, even in the summer, even in the, in the dog days when much of the league is on vacation because we got some news, which was wonderful. Uh, and we finally get to talk about basketball. Of course, of course, the one week open floor decides to take off literally all year. You know, this is a year-round podcast, you know, no days off for the Open Floor podcast. Until last week, you said, you know what, Mike's gone, Herring had been out, let's let's maybe take one week off here, you know, just a little break. And of course, the one week we take off, we get what's definitely the biggest news of the offseason, in my opinion. Of course, I'm talking about the Cavaliers acquiring Donovan Mitchell uh, in a pretty stunning blockbuster trade, I think even after the Knicks had re-signed R.J. Barrett. I think a lot of us, myself included, still expected Mitchell to land up with the Knicks. So, Gons, we obviously have not gotten a chance to discuss this trade yet. I mean, let's get right into it. What did you think of the move? Uh, How do you feel about Mitchell to the Cavs? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those trades that I like both ways. Uh, Obviously, the Jazz were trying to move Mitchell after they moved Rudy Rudy Gobert for a king's ransom to the wolves which was sort of surprising and you know danny ainge is up to his danny ainge danny dealer tricks uh and he ends up moving donovan mitchell to the Cavs. <laughs> i like this for the Cavs. the Cavs had i think i talked about uh this with dan divine while you were out on open floor but i liked the Cavs last year i watched a weird amount of Cavs basketball last year that front court rotation should not have worked in modern basketball but didn't make did. any sense Right. And and it did. It was oddly successful. You had uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley comes in and Laurie Markinen was resurrected and Kevin Love got some run. And I watched them and I thought, I don't know why this works, but it does. But I didn't think it was good for them long term. So unplugging one of those pieces made sense. Take out Laurie Markinen. Off he goes to Utah. Never been a more Utah player in the world. 
uh, and you plug in Donovan Mitchell, and I, I think it elevates the Cavs and makes them very, very interesting. I love this trade. I mean, echoing what you said about the Cavs last year, they were really good. I think they probably won one of 50 games with Jared Allen not got hurt. I mean, he missed most of the second half of the season, missed those playing games. He was such an – I mean, as much as we talk about Evan Mobley being this generational defensive talent, which I think he is – Jarrett Allen was, I think, even more important to their defense last year. He was an all-star for a reason. They were simply, I mean, one of the best defenses in the league when he was on the court. They were a really good team. I think they would have, at full strength, would have given teams trouble uh, in the playoffs. Of course, they end up not making it. I love this trade for Cleveland. I'm so, I'm going to sound like legitimately angry here for a second. It's because I am. But I'm just like sick and tired of the people who are like, that's too many draft picks or that's this doesn't make them a championship contender. And it's like, you're not going to, you, there's like three guys you can trade for that will make you a championship contender. And those guys don't get traded. And even when one of them requests a trade, like Kevin Durant did this summer, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible for trade for them. Okay. You're talking about Cleveland acquiring a, a guy who's going to be 26, I believe in a couple of days, a, a near all NBA caliber talent, three time NBA all-star, um, like a lights out score from pretty much any spot on the floor. These guys simply just don't become available. And he has three years left on his contract. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is in two years, you trade him and maybe try to recoup some of the draft picks that you lost in the street. That's the worst case scenario. Okay. And I think they're going to be really good. I mean, between Garland, Mitchell, Mobley and Allen, that's a fantastic core four to have. People are like, what about Garland moving off the ball? He's used to playing off the ball, whether it's with Sexton or Ricky Rubio, etc. I think this is a home run move. Do I think the Cavs are going to make the conference finals next season? No. Do I think they could make it in the next three years? Yes. Do I think they could make it in the next five years if they keep everyone together? Absolutely. If I'm Utah, to be honest, I don't really love this deal for them. Uh, And we can get into it, but... You heard some of the rumors about the Knicks deals that were out there. You know, this includes R.J. Barrett and three picks, and maybe they were top five protected, blah, blah, blah. I don't know when it became okay to make a superstar trade, and you're not even trying to get – why would you – I like Colin Sexton. I think he's a good player, and people are liking to put up his stats compared to Donovan Mitchell's, and I just don't like when we do that. It removes all the context. We all know Donovan Mitchell You know, being the number one option on what was literally – the best offense in the NBA uh, is a lot different than putting up stats on a bad team. I just don't know why they didn't want RJ Barrett. I would take the Knicks package because of the picks alone. Like as long as Cleveland has Evan Mobley, I'm not confident that they are going to give up any good draft picks. So I actually really love this trade for Cleveland. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't know about it for Utah. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. Um, I want to know whether or not that Knicks <laughs> offer was real. <laughs> that's really that's a that's really good podcast talk for you. Rambled a lot. No, no, no. I like <laughs> I, I have a I have that a lot a that tirade, we, <laughs> I have a lot that, that I want to get into about that, yeah, yeah. Uh, including the pairing of Mitchell sure. and, of and Garland, and whether or not it makes them contenders, and uh, people mm-hmm. saying that they traded away too much. I want to start with the Knicks component though, because I'm with you. I would rather have had uh-huh. the Knicks package that was rumored. Uh, I wonder whether or not that package was real. I'm just going to talk about the package that they actually took. I like it. I mean, again, what they're doing in Utah is raising the whole thing, right? They're burning it to the ground and starting over. And if you're going to burn it to the ground and start over, look, Laurie Markin is fine. I like Colin Sexton. He fell out of favor uh, even before he was injured last year. It was quite clear that uh, Darius Garland had taken over that primary guard spot. But three first-round picks and two pick swaps for me – is a hell of a haul. And so I'll take that all day, any day. And from the Cavs perspective, as you mentioned, it's tough, right? It's tough to get uh, single players who you think are going to elevate you immediately to championship contention. There aren't many of them. But I will tell you that mm-hmm. even players of Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell's caliber, very few of them are going to just sign with Cleveland of their own accord, right? You have to trade mm-hmm. for these players mm-hmm. in markets like Cleveland. So Cleveland going out and getting Donovan Mitchell, I like. I like it from the Utah perspective, as I said. And the one question that I had for you, although you sort of answered it yourself, is what you think of that pairing of... Donovan Mitchell 
and Darius Garland because Donovan Mitchell is a pretty ball-dominant, heavy-usage guard. I think it's still going to work. I like the pairing with the bigs. I think that they've got something cooking in Cleveland, but if I have any concern at all, it's just about the usage rate. I think that's fair. I also think part of it is that Donovan Mitchell was thrust into that role. Like it wasn't like, you know, people compare him to Trey Young. Trey Young was what did he end up going fourth in that draft, right? You know, Donovan Mitchell was a late lottery pick. He kind of earned that role. He stepped into that role as kind of their lead ball handler, lead creator. I mean, they tried to get ball handling help for him and they went out and got Mike Conley, but Mike Conley I think aged faster than they had anticipated. Basically, Utah didn't have a lot of options but to play offense that way. I, I don't think I, – I think Mitchell seems to me like someone who'd be willing to cede a little bit of control, frankly. And beyond that, I think another reason why it really works is they're both such good shooters. They're both amazing pull-up three-point shooters, which which is mm-hmm. – it's really hard to have two of those same – two of those kinds of guys on the same team. Um, Like, for I mean, to go with the Trey example, like – the Trey DeJounte Murray pairing, I have less confidence in that than I do in this pairing just because of, you know, the lack of shooting on DeJounte's side, kind of how they both need the ball in their hands to thrive. I think I think this one makes a little bit more sense. I mean, Garland's used to playing off ball, right? He was paired with Sexton. He was paired with Rubio. They brought in Karis LeVert last season to kind of help with some of the late game offense. Uh, I think this was a team that that desperately needed a Donovan Mitchell type. That's why they made the Levert trade last year. They were looking for a secondary option, someone who could go get them those tough shots late in the game. Uh, and this is exactly that move. Yeah, the late game closer, 1,000% love that. And I'm really glad that you brought up the Atlanta Hawks because uh, one of our mm. open floor teammates, uh, the great Michael Pina, shortly after this trade goes down, like a lot, like some people who were not exactly thrilled about it for the Cavs, he took it to an entirely nov- another like Michael Pina level where he went. I look at this and I I'm, I don't think I like the Cavs as much as the Atlanta Hawks, and it blew me away uh, because I'm with you that I like Dejounte Murray a lot. I like Trey Young a lot. I'm not sure that I like them a lot together. Uh, I wonder about that pairing. It gives me pause. And also the rest of their team, I don't think is nearly as good as the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers, which, as I said, watched a lot of them last year. Oddly fun, oddly talented, uh, plucky. And I think like fully healthy, this roster could be very good in the Eastern Conference. But Pina uh, is on the Hawks, not here to defend himself, but I'm glad you brought that up. Don't get me started on Michael Pina, the same guy who told people on this podcast last year that Trey Young was better than Jimmy Butler. The same people, <laughs> same person, the same person who told people on this podcast that uh, the Utah Jazz were more dangerous than the Golden State Warriors. We saw how that one turned out. You um, guys do not shy away this, from hot the, takes, and I have a feeling that you've got some coming up when we get into where the Cavs fall in the Eastern Pina, Conference now. Listen, Pina and I were, were having an emotionally charged discussion about this trade. Um, was this when you guys chat. were out uh, and about together? Or? No, 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 this was post after the trade. We were really getting into it, and I'm really looking forward to Pina being wrong. I think I compared paternity leave uh, Pina to Raptors Olajuwon, and I'm sticking with it. I'm you sticking did. with that. You, you did. So, you know. And uh, I, um, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed that comparison. Uh, <laughs> but, I, yeah, so I think both overall, though, we both like this trade. And as you mentioned, I think we got some – I have some more hot takes on the way because I I think this gives way uh, to what you and I really both, I think, wanted to do immediately after this trade, which was kind of make sense of the pecking order in the Eastern Conference. Okay, so I think, John, what we're going to do today, we're going to rank our Eastern Conference contenders one through five. I think we're going to have some disagreements. I think you're going to be surprised at some of the teams I left off my list. We can discuss why, which teams are off, which teams we think are not contenders, etc. Um, yeah, I think, but I think the top half of the Eastern Conference is going to be really, really good next season. Yeah, before and, you, before you even get into starting the ranking, the Eastern Conference is loaded this year. I mean, there's so many good, pl- especially with Durant staying put, uh, and we're yeah. going to discuss the Nets, of course, uh, and the Eastern Conference pecking order as we rank them one through five, but. This might be the best Eastern Conference we've seen in a long, long time. I mean, like, you know, there were, when the, especially during the run of the Warriors, the first run of the Warriors, the first uh, iteration yeah. of the dynasty, the Eastern Conference, as we knew, was Awful. not up to snuff. And now all of a sudden, 
you've got a lot of major talent in the East where whoever comes out of it is going to have to go through a gauntlet. It's going to be really good. I'm already, I say this every year, but I'm already so excited for the playoffs. I just hope we get everyone healthy. I think I was telling Mahoney last time we did the pod, the last time Kawhi, Steph, LeBron, and Durant were all healthy for a postseason was, I believe, 2016. So it's been a long time since we've had kind of our top talent all ready to go. I hope we see everyone ready to go this season. Um, all right, John. I think this is gonna get this is gonna get frisky pretty quickly. But give me your <laughs> give me your number five team in the Eastern Conference. So this is the team you think has the fifth best chance to make it out of the East and into the NBA Finals. You want to start five team. You want to start at five and go up. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, I, I think there's a pretty clear five. I mean, like I. I Vegas thinks there's a p- pretty clear five. I'm with Vegas. I have a tier system. Uh, the one and the two, okay. uh, I think, are, are pretty clear cut. Then there's uh, the next three, right? And of my next three, you could put these in any order, but you want a specific five, so I'll take the Heat at five. I'm going with the Cleveland Cavaliers at number five. You, they're in your top five already. I, uh, all right. They are. We've discussed this. I think that this trade is excellent for them. It wouldn't surprise me if they cracked the top five. I just think the five teams that I have on my list, having been more established and with more established stars, are a safer bet. Uh, but go ahead and make your case for the Cleveland Cavaliers at five. I just think they were going to finish with 50 wins last season if Jared Allen had stayed healthy. And I like that they still have flexibility. People are like, this is a lot of pressure on Isaac Okoro, who's going to probably start the season at three, which I agree. At the same time, I think they can dangle Levert as a trade piece. They can probably dangle Okoro or even Kevin Love in a trade if they wanted to. And I think maybe go out and get a better small forward. I think they're going to be really good. I feel like they're going to get that bump of this new, young, exciting team. So I... I don't have the Heat in my top five. That's shocking. You, to you, me. you told me you told me that there were four auto locks, and you put the Heat. And I don't think the Heat are a lock at all right now. I have the Heat at five. I think like this tier, this tier that we're at right now, uh, three, four, and five. The teams that I have in that grouping, put them in any order you want, and I think that like it wouldn't surprise me at all between three, four, and five. But I'd be shocked if the Heat fi- finished behind the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think the Heat had kind of a disaster offseason. And listen, they were caught up in some quirky cap things. They didn't want to get hard cap. They had to save, you know, cap space to sign Caleb Martin. And, you know, the Sixers came in with an offer, I think, for PJ Tucker. No one really expected. Mm-hmm. But And also that they don't the league office wasn't quite sure about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Heat don't have a power forward. Okay, their plan, I think, is to play Caleb Martin at power forward to start the season. That's not a long term option, I think, for them. And I really like Caleb Martin. I think he's a rotation player in this league. I think he's a playoff rotation player in this league. I don't think that he can start the season at power forward. And then, you know, P.J. Tucker did so much for them last year, picking up defensive assignments, number one options, et cetera. Like, is that going to be Caleb Martin's job? Is that going to be Jimmy Butler's job? How much more stress is going to be on Jimmy during the regular season? Kyle Lowry, who I think. You know, he dealt with some off-the-court stuff last year. He had the hamstring issue. Yeah. I think he's going to be better this season, but he is also a year older. Um, Aren't we all, buddy? I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, aren't we all? It's a lot of, I think, pressure to put on Victor Oladipo, Max Struess. I mean, Hero's coming back. I I think Hero was exposed a little bit in the playoffs last year. I don't know. I'm not feeling personally very confident about where the Heat stand. And then you have a, you have a team up and coming like the Cavs. I don't know. I think it. I think it's blowing me away. They're in a yeah. I cannot believe that I've to, I've got to preach heat culture to Mister Heat culture. They find a way. They're a pain in the ass every single year. And you mentioned Jimmy having to do more. Look what he had to do during the playoffs. I mean, he couldn't have. They couldn't have asked him to do any more than he had to do in the playoffs. Now, can he sustain that over the entire season? Probably not. I don't know that anybody could. I am, as you are, a little bit worried about Kyle Lowry aging out of like prime Kyle Lowry. However, some of the parts always ends up being greater than the individuals in Miami. Like mm-hmm. I just would be very surprised. Look, the, 
the Cavs are on the come. There's no doubt about that. And I like them a lot. And I think that they could be very, very feisty. Um, I want to see it first. I've always seen it from the Heat. That's why I have the Heat at five. And also, I will mention again, uh, Vegas likes them considerably, considerably better than the Cavs. It's like double the odds. It's, that's interesting to me. I mean, we'll see. I think the whole thing about Jimmy in the playoffs last year was he had to kind of slow play it during the regular season to give them that performance that he did during the postseason. I don't think that's something he should, frankly, be asked to do for 82 games. So, And last year, I mean, they got they weren't lucky. I mean, Lowry, I think people kind of forget about the Heat now, is Lowry kept them afloat because Jimmy and Bam both had some pretty big injuries and missed a lot of time. Yeah. So... But, you know, if one of those guys goes down again, I don't, I don't know that they'll be as fortunate this season. Again, Tucker, big reason why they were successful was he played during those games. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, John, give me your number four. This one's tough for me. And I know you're going to make me pick a four and not have two threes or a three A. I'm going back Mm -hmm, and forth between mm -hmm. these two teams. So tiebreaker goes the way that you probably expect. I'll take the Nets at four. But it's very, very close with my three. Just because, look, Kevin Durant is incredible. You've, you get a full year ostensibly of both Simmons and Kyrie Irving. You know, who knows? I just think that him not going anywhere, yes, that whole offseason was completely messy. And they thought that they were going to implode the team. And you can't underestimate the impact to the chemistry that could be cont- potentially toxic. However, on paper, I just love the idea of the those three being the big three where Ben Simmons isn't the one or the two. He can just be the Ben Simmons that we've discussed where you don't need him to take shots. You don't want to shoot? No problem. All I need you to do are the things that you are really good at, which which is play defense, switch one through five, rebound, get off the break, be a good passer, and do all those other things that I, I keep coming back to him being East Coast, Brooklyn, Draymond. If he would embrace that role, that would really elevate that team, and it allows Kevin Durant to be Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to cook. And now all of a sudden, those ancillary pieces, you get uh, Joe Harris, who was obviously injured last year. He, he's in the mix. Maybe you get a better year out of Claxton. I like their uh, ancillary parts if those three are healthy and on the floor together. Yeah, you just made my case for why I actually have the Brooklyn Nets at number three mm-hmm. and the Philadelphia 76ers. Right. At number four. I just can't quit the Brooklyn Nets. I really cannot quit the Brooklyn Nets. 
they at the end of the day they have Kevin Durant, who is just one of the best basketball players in the world. They've typically been very good when he's been healthy. They've been very good when him and Kyrie have been healthy. And if you remember back before this whole mess started, they were really good before they traded for James Harden. I mean, granted, they had a lot more pieces then. They had Jared Allen, even though they were playing him behind DeAndre Jordan, blah, blah, blah. But they were really good with just Kyrie and KD as kind of their heads of the snake there. And I think they can be again. I think TJ Warren has a chance to be like great, great a, a sneaky signing of the summer. If he if he can give them anything, I mean, that's another wing guy they can throw in the rotation. People have Joe forgotten Harris about him. Joe would have him. helped them a lot. They truly have forgotten about him. Um, I mean, he also hasn't played basketball in like two yeah, years. But, but he's very good. Uh, yeah. Yes. I think Joe Harris would have helped them on both sides of the floor last year. I still think they're a little bit too heavy in the backcourt and in the front court. Like, I think they need a, another wing or two. Um, and I'm a little – or not front court. I guess mostly backcourt. Like, I'm a little bit worried about them in a matchup, say, against the Sixers. Um, they're going to have to play Claxton – can they get away with playing Claxton and Ben Simmons on the floor at the same time? That's going to be really interesting because it's two guys who don't shoot, two guys who are huge free throw liabilities, yeah. as we saw for Claxton in the playoffs as well. So that's going to be interesting. But I don't know. I mean, I think last year, of course, that that sweep was debilitating, but they didn't have Joe Harris. You know, they lost Harden for essentially what ended up being only Seth Curry uh, because Simmons didn't play, and I think that made a obviously a massive difference. Yeah, I, I have some of those similar concerns. I think the big thing, though, is are you getting a full season or something approximating it out of the two big question marks, Kyrie and Ben Simmons? If you are, they're immediate contenders because uh, Kevin Durant elevates both of those guys, and I think that that grouping will work really well together. The playoffs is a different component, right? Like Ben Simmons in the playoffs... Ha- throughout the entirety of his career has been an issue. I'm talking about regular season nets, where they fall in the Eastern Conference as mm-hmm. we do these rankings. We'll worry about the postseason when we get to the postseason. But in the regular season, on paper, if those guys play, the nets should be good. They, I mean, I'd be very, very surprised if they aren't. And that's why I said, and you know, you alluded to this, that, uh, that the Sixers are your next group there. Um, or the Sixers are my next group. I would... Switch either of those, right? Like three and four for me are are roughly the same. The top two are in a completely different tier for me uh, than that middle mm. grouping three and four. Nets and Sixers are, you know, flip flop them for me. So let's talk about your Sixers for a minute. Yeah, I have them three. You think they're you think they're a, a definitively a cut below uh, our top two, which I'm assuming are the same. But I think Philly had. One of the better off seasons in the East. I you do could too. make the case for be- best, um, especially in the wake of the how great Delino Gallinari tearing his ACL yeah. uh, in this FIBA tournament starts. People thought it was going to be a meniscus injury, not that serious. Ends up being a torn ACL. Uh, he was a really good pickup for Boston. Um, I think he kind of goes out the window for this year. I'd be. I saw Shams tweet. Uh, it's normally a six to twelve month recovery. I've never seen anyone tear their ACL and come back within the same season. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember anyone who's done that. So, I mean, assuming he's gone, I mean, Philly. I really think D'Anthony Mountain in like a consistent, good role, playing off a superstar like Harden and Embiid could be really good. They obviously get Tucker. Uh, they're starting to look more and more like the team they should have been with. Embiid and Harden, which is let's just get as many like three and D-ish guys around them as possible. Yeah, I mean, this is really shocking to me that when you say the Sixers had one of the better off seasons in the East, there's no no bone for me to pick. There's nothing weird that happened. Like nobody almost died of like a <laughs> nut allergy. There wasn't like somebody yeah. shooting in a gym and their form is all screwed up. Although I will say you mentioned the FIBA tournament. Furkan Korkmaz Kirk- apparently gotten in a fight with like the entirety of the he other got team. beat up in the hallway. Yeah. I think he, they like jumped him in a hallway yeah, or something. So that's a wild story for people to go check out. I don't know what's true and what's not true because I don't I've been to basketball games in Europe uh, and they are just wild right like there's flares going off sometimes and smoke people are smoking and it's just so the fact that he took on an entire team and some security guards does not surprise me according to the report uh but absent for rumbling 
this was a quiet offseason for the Sixers and and professionally quiet. And you mentioned the PJ Tucker deal mm-hmm. that may or may not have been a little premature and and uh, juiced in the league. Strike it. The league is looking, the league is looking the into. But I, I yeah. love that fit for them. Um, I love DeAnthony Melton bringing him in. Daniel House. Like the, what you have with these like core pieces where now all of a sudden the guys that you were playing last year, uh, Thibel, uh, George Niang, like to a lesser extent, Korkmaz, to a lesser extent, Shake Milton, all those guys get pushed down the rotation, and your top eight and nine guys, that rotation that's going to be your core, is pretty locked in, and that's unusual for the mm-hmm. Sixers. Normally, they get real thin real fast, and that doesn't appear to be the case, so kudos to Daryl Morey for just doing the marginal, like the work on the margins that needed to be done and hasn't been in the past. Absolutely. And you could also make a case they win. They probably make the conference finals last year. You could make the case they make the conference finals last year if Embiid doesn't miss the first two games of that series. If Doc Rivers, for some reason, just stops running. I don't know why he stopped running uh, hard in Embiid pick and rolls as much as he did. Um, they, I think they need to go to that way more this year, and I think that'll be a better option for them. Also, I mean, I've heard Harden's in incredible shape. I, you know, I've seen people who've seen him work out say he looks really, really good. Um, I feel like maybe we've been fooled by that before, but maybe he is taking this seriously. Maybe the hamstrings healed up. Tyrese Maxey, who's been super exciting, who I would rather have than Tyler Hero because people bring up that question. Uh, I think Maxey's only going to get better. Um, so I, I think they're in a really good spot. I think they're in a really good spot. Let's. I assume we have the same one and yeah. two. You can give me your one and two right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, one and two, and you can put them in whatever order. But I'll just go with the defending Eastern Conference champs up top with the Celtics. Yes, the Gallinari thing really, really stings. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I'd be surprised if he comes back too. If he gotten hurt earlier in the summer, maybe he's available in the playoffs. I just think the timeline is n- is not going to work out for him. So that is a blow for them. Uh, but marginally ahead of the Bucks. And hey, the Bucks could have, I mean, that that series goes to seven, right? I mean, it could have been the Bucs. It's interesting that you say marginally, because I think Boston's, unfortunately, the clear-cut number one. They still have, the Brogdon signing, I still think is going to help them a lot. Yeah, I like I was lot. even, you know, uh, I thought the Brogdon signing was, the trade rather, was more important than the uh Gallinari signing anyway, because I think their front court's pretty good. Gallinari's a little bit of a defensive weak link um, that I didn't think he was ultimately going to have as much of an impact as someone as Brogdon, who at his best, I think, does what Derek White does, but even better. Um, And that was a little bit of an up and down uh, series for Derek White in the finals, even though he was mostly good in the playoffs. So... I think Boston's a clear-cut number one. I mean, just the way they ran through the league the second half of last season. Uh, you have to – I mean, Tatum is still an improving player. Jalen Brown still has room to improve. The only thing that I see is maybe a little bit of a question mark for them. You know, what if Al Horford starts to take a step back? I think that does start to kind of significantly affect what they do uh, defensively. I think Horford was really, really important for them in the finals, yeah. really important from the playoffs in general. Um, and while I love Rob Williams and Grant Williams, uh, you know, Rob Williams, especially when he's healthy, is just one of the more terrifying players in the league. But just Horford has that a little bit more well-roundedness to his game that makes him really important. That's really the only area of concern I think you should maybe have as a Celtics fan. But unfortunately Boston's in really good shape. Yeah, they are. I, I, th- I don't know that the gap, you know, both of us have them at one. The reason why I said marginally ahead of the bucks is I mm-hmm. think it's easy to forget that the bucks in the playoffs minus Chris Middleton still almost got past the Celtics, right? Like mm-hmm. there. And, and anytime you have Giannis, I'll take Giannis over any player on either of those teams. So mm-hmm. best player on that team, healthy, Chris Middleton, get another year, um, I don't know. It's really close, but that's again for when I look at the Eastern Conference, I think about it in tiers, and I think those two teams are in the same tier and clearly ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'll say about the Bucks. I agree with that, but I'm a little bit worried about the Bucks because I also think they had a bad off season. Frankly, uh, I, their marquee signing was Joe. Yeah, Ingles. you don't like Ingles? Uh, I liked Ingles a lot. I don't love Ingles as your as your kind of big summer signing when he's I think he's going to be 35 36 
and he's coming off an ACL tear, yeah. and he was maybe losing a step before he tore the ACL. I mean, you look at some of their rotation, Wes Matthews, mid-30s, Brooke Lopez. I didn't think Brooke Lopez was going to play basketball again. I mean, kudos to him. He came back and was good during the yep. playoffs last year, had effective moments. He's a, a center in his mid-30s with back problems, and he's going to be your starting but center. I would, and your backup option is Serge Ibaka, who couldn't give you anything down the stretch. They just have a lot of, to me, that's way too many old people to put around Giannis, and it's a lot of questions. I would marks. counter your concern about Brooke Lopez, which is legitimate, with while he was out, the emergence of Bobby Portis, right? Like all of a sudden that front court gets anchored by Bobby Portis, who wasn't like, you know, he was fine off the bench, but... Bobby Portis getting run really elevated not only himself, but that front court. So uh, maybe, you know, I don't know that you need Brooke Lopez to do as much as he's done in years past. Shoot some threes, protect the rim a little bit, rest up during the regular season, let Bobby get that run, man. I agree, and Portis has been really good. I do think Portis becomes... He becomes a little bit more matchup dependent in the playoffs. I, I think teams definitely go after him. So I'm curious how much he can be the true kind of center there. But I'm just going to read some ages, okay? Joe Ingles is going to be 35 in October. Uh, Brooke Lopez is already 34. Is he going to – he's going to be 35 in April, so by the start of the playoffs. Wes Matthews is 35. Uh, Guys who are going to be, I think, really important to their rotation. Wes Matthews is going to be 36 next month. I do want to see a guy like Javon Carter get some more run this year. I think he probably should have played more in that series against Boston. I think it's time to get Grayson Allen out of the rotation. Um, you know, can Jordan Nora give them anything? I think he had some moments a couple years ago. Uh, it's going to be interesting, man. I don't know. I don't, and I don't know what their trade avenues are like either. But I'm a little bit concerned about the Bucks, and it really just says how much faith I have in Giannis yeah. that I think they're still at worst, the second best team. In Look, the Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew holiday gets you pretty far, right? Like yeah, the, those pieces that are, that are orbiting around them. Sure. I, there are there question marks, no doubt about it, but we could do that probably with every team in the East. I just think like the, the level of talent with their core is so considerable. And when you have Giannis at the center of that, uh, you're off and running and you'll figure out the rest of it later. Um, but again, this goes back to our point, you know, despite the fact that I do believe that the Celtics and the Bucks are ahead above everybody else in the conference, it's packed. It's like it's going mm-hmm. to be a really interesting season in the playoffs. Any of these teams uh, advancing would not surprise me. But I am surprised that you left okay, your beloved Jeff. heat off. That's shocking to me. I am a little bit nervous about the heat from BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, 
Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Now, speaking of kind of the teams we left off, how interesting the East is going to be. I told you I had a couple little surprise okay, questions for me. you, John. Let me start here. Let me start here. Okay. Let me hit you with the true or false to begin with. True or false, the Cleveland Cavaliers will make the playoffs next season. True. Just make it? Yeah. yeah, true. Okay. Tell me which of these eight teams that made the playoffs last season misses the playoffs in the East. Because remember, the, the Cavs didn't make the playoffs last year. They were a playing team. I've got them, so I've got them at six, the by the way. I've got them just behind your heat. Okay. Okay. So t- so tell me which of these teams falls off. You think, you think Miami, Boston, Milwaukee... Philadelphia and Brooklyn are locks, yes. right? Does Chicago fall out? Does Toronto fall out? Does Atlanta fall out? Who falls out? All right, so I've got my top six with the Cavs. Uh, I think the Raptors probably make it just because they're such a professional basketball organization. They're absent stars, but you know, in the same way we talk about Heat culture, there's Raptors culture, and... You know, nurse. I think the Raptors are going to be really good. Yeah, Scotty Barnes could take another yep. leap. I th- I think they're a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nurse coaches them up. FVV and Pascal and like they're just they're mm-hmm. just good. They're professional. They're the team that when they yeah. come to your building, you're like, I don't. I'm not watching any stars here, but they could be a major pain, right? And so yeah. I think that they're going to be in. I think it falls down to the Hawks and the Bulls. Pina loves the Hawks. I'm not as sold on the Hawks. The Bulls had a, one of those years last year where um, they were just, you know, clipping off teams that they should clip off, right? And then, you know, you look at their wins and their and their win-loss record, and it was just kind of hollow. They actually had a negative point differential, which is kind of yeah, shocking. Um, they have enough talent that they should make the playoffs. So I guess I'll go with the Bulls. I'm not super confident in this prognostication, um, but whoever comes in at eight is pretty clearly well behind everybody else. Who do you have there? I think Chicago, yeah. if I had to guess, is not going to make it. Now, I will say Chicago basically had a terrible second half of the season, but it did coincide with some pretty major injuries. I mean, Zach Levine was battling knee issues all year long, seemingly. Lonzo Ball missed a ton of time. Alex Caruso missed a ton of time after that Grayson Allen foul. Those are really important guys to what they do. If they were fully healthy, I mean, they're going to have Pat Williams back healthy for a full season now. And But the real question is what's going on with Lonzo Ball? Yeah. Because we got a report from ESPN saying he's you know, likely to miss the start of the regular season. And they're saying that, or, or maybe the start of the regular season is in doubt. That's over a month away. And they're already having concerns. It's not like, oh, you know, he's going to miss the start of training camp. It's, you know, six weeks from now, we're still not even sure about the status of his knee. I mean, he's had multiple left knee injuries. That, to me, is a real bummer because I think if Lonzo were healthy, I'm not saying that they were as good as they were during their height of last season and they were number one in the East for a little bit, but I mean, they could, I think they are in danger of missing the playoffs, which is, is crazy after a year after DeRozan MVP hype. You're kind of making me rethink this now. Maybe Pina is right, <laughs> uh, and the Hawks sneak into the playoffs. I'm going to stick with the Bulls just because I think they have slightly more talent. But, yeah, a lot of question marks for the Hawks and the Bulls. And you met, as you said at the beginning of the show, you know, for me, I love DeJounte Murray individually and Trey Young individually. Only one ball. And then, you know, they've been trading John Collins for the last 12 years, you know, so like <laughs> they lost Gallinari. I just like I, I just wonder. They've always got weird rotations. They on just the wing. salary. They salary dumped Herder. Yeah, I, I didn't exactly. like that move. I, I didn't like that. They just did that right away. They said, let's get rid of Herder. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't have played as quite as much. But from the last year, they've lost Herder and Reddish. 
Herter was I am Herter, really by the way, big... was oddly one of their more productive wing rotation players. And yeah, you unplug him, and it's like okay. I I will say, Pina and I are both huge DeAndre Hunter fans. I think he has a chance to end up being one of the better players from that draft class. Just if he can stay healthy and get some extended run. Can I stop you right there on those two points? Those two points are significant, right? I like DeAndre Hunter on paper. The actual on-court product has not lived up to the on-paper hype. I I agree. I mean, he was fantastic for them. In the first round last year against the Heat, I mean, he had a couple huge games. Um, he just hasn't stayed healthy. He just hasn't stayed healthy, but I think he could be a two-way force. He's another guy who I think uh, in like two years I'm going to want him more than Tyler Hero. I don't. I keep slandering yeah. Tyler Hero on this podcast as if he has, as if he hasn't done like remarkable things for my favorite basketball team and like scored 37 against the Celtics in a playoff game. I'd like Tyler Hero. I don't think he's a bad player, but so the people like compare him to Donovan Mitchell and stuff, and I'm like, please stop. Um, but let's talk about the playing group in the East okay. then, because you have the Knicks who ostensibly tried to get better this summer. Uh, you have the Charlotte Hornets who were this upstart team last year, won 43 games. They have one of the kind of emerging stars in the league in Lamella Ball. But now, again, it's strictly in a basketball context. We don't know what Miles Bridges' availability is going to be like. And that's obviously far from the important thing about Miles Bridges. It's it's much more important uh, that the victim in that case uh, finds some kind of reprieve or or whatever it is that they're seeking. But I mean, we got we got kind of a weird jumble here. I think Detroit could be really good next season. I think Orlando could be really good next season. The, when you say next season, about, do you mean know, this but, coming season? I mean, this coming season, Detroit Detroit can be play out, playing frisky. Right. Do you disagree? I, I am quite literally laughing at you. Uh, no, I do not think that they will be that they will be quite good this season or playoff. No faith in Cade. Contention. No faith in Cade Cunningham. I, the Marvin Bagley reemergence. I like their young pieces. Um, it's going to take a second for that group to figure out how to play high level NBA basketball. Also, they're the Pistons. That's the same reason that I think that the magic aren't going to be any good because of the magic. Uh, history has borne this out. It's like, oh, this is the year for the Sacramento Kings. I got news for you. It's never the year for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, similarly, those teams, I don't, I just don't think the Pistons, the Pacers and the magic who, are even in the conversation. It's the Knicks, the Hornets and, who do you and think? the Wizards uh, who we have not mentioned and who I think, depending on the health of Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal and KP for a season, could be a little frisky. Could be a little frisky. How many how many years has Embiid been in the league now? Uh one was his draft year. 2013, I think. I'd have to look. Who do you think has had a had a better slash more accomplished first uh nine years of their career? Joel Embiid or Dwight Howard? Oh wow, that's that's definitely it was 2014 NBA draft. So 2014-15 season, but he didn't play because he was injured because everybody who's a Sixers high-level first-round draft pick does not play in their first year. Um, Great thought experiment. That's a tough one. I don't think it's close. You think it's Dwight? I don't think it's close. I mean, he was a multiple defensive player of the year awards, and he made a finals, knocked out LeBron in the playoffs, like peak LeBron. Yeah, Dwight was incredible. There's no doubt about it. I think like, you know, I think about their skill sets, right? I mean, Dwight is a defensive player unbelievable um ran the floor really well he was he's limited offensively he was dominant but he's limited offensively i think joel does a lot more things on a basketball court and is also a really great defensive player so that's why but yeah i mean like yeah he made the finals the sixers haven't gotten out of the second round it's an interesting one and yet yet here you are slandering the good city of orlando as if you've never driven by the Ripley's, believe it or not, I would, and wanted to go inside. I would go to a wax museum. I would definitely do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, Disney World, sure, I'll, I'll go and do some of that. Uh, I just don't like. Look, the Magic have been bad for a long time, and uh, they're re- they're resetting yet again. I just don't think they're in the conversation for the playing game. I don't think the Pacers are definitely not. And Pacers are tanking. Yeah, and and the Pistons. I Did like we, the young were, pieces. I just were don't you think here? It's this year. Were you here when we had the conversation about like why free agents don't want to sign in Orlando? That was you and I, right? I don't believe so, unless I've memory hold it. 
<laughs> which is possible. <laughs> we got an we got an email that was like, why does? It, and then I think it was Herring and I that was like, yeah, buddy, it's not what you think yeah. it is. It's not that cool. I, I mean, <laughs> and someone had to come in and defend Orlando. You do get in Florida and Texas uh, the no income tax, which is pretty great, right? But, but absent that, uh, hot as hell, team is bad. You're going to, I guess you're going to dinner at Outback every night. I don't know what happens in Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) We got a gift card to Applebee's. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail from Orlando. uh, Listen, as I loved Outback as a kid, I still love Outback as an adult. So um, what do you make of the Knicks? Do the Knicks have a shot to make the playoffs? Um, They weren't even a play in team last year. Tough for me. Tough for me. Uh, You know, I, I, I dine out a lot on making fun of the Knicks and Knicks uh, fans. I know mm-hmm. a lot of Knicks fans. I'm friends with them. It One of my favorite games of the year, every year, no matter when. You're saying there's there's good people on both sides. Is when the Knicks the play Knicks the Celtics. New York and Philadelphia. I, no, I'm saying uh-huh. I love when the Knicks play the Celtics because one of them has to lose. You're guaranteed that somebody <laughs> yes, in New York yes. or Boston will yes. be upset, so I love those games. I don't know. Realistically, probably not, right? I mean, like. Randall took a step mm. back last year. I'm still not entirely sold on RJ Barrett. Like, what are we super like about the Knicks? Like, I think Jalen they Brunson, have a chance to be interesting. You know? Yeah, I mean, if they move Randall, which I don't know how realistic that is, really kind of commit to some of the younger players on the team, I would like them more. Um, here's a question. The Knicks won 37 games last year. If I put their over under at 37 again, do you think they went over under 37? Ooh. Uh, divine and I did an over under pod. I don't know where I went on the Knicks. My guess is that I went under because they're the Knicks. Like I, this is basically what I would call the Sacramento Kings theory, right? <laughs> Always bet against right, right. the Kings right. doing anything positive. This, the Knicks fall into that category. The Magic fall into that category. I'd probably take the under. Which is kind of sad to think about, which means that Jalen Brunson, who I really like, maybe did not move the needle at all. I do think the Kings are going to be kind of good next season. Do they finally break the drought? God, I, I don't even want to think about looking at the Western Conference right now and trying to decide which team falls out. Oh, good Lord. I mean, the Clippers are going to make it. Utah is going to fall out, but... Uh, which of these teams do you think falls out or just can the, cause the Lakers are also there. Tell me if the Lakers or Kings can knock any of these, uh, seven teams out. Cause we're putting the Clippers in Utah's place. Okay. okay? Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Denver, Minnesota, New Orleans. Mm. Nope. I don't think so. You? <laughs> I don't see it. I do think this is going to sound crazy. Memphis is in a little bit of trouble with Jaron Jackson Jr. missing a ton of time. And I'm very curious to see how Dallas looks this season. Very curious about Dallas. Yeah, me too. Because I do think losing Brunson hurts them. Me too. Although Christian Wood is uh, sort of like the poor man, less expensive, less problematic KP. So... But but like Luca seemingly hated playing with that guy, so I don't know. That no, that, no, that that's is... exactly right. I think he yeah. fits. I think he has a similar skill set that you can and and less of an ego and less of a demand that like or delusion that he is somehow a star still in the league. So you just plug him in and you get some semblance of the production without any of the drama and like control issues. I see. But okay. I, I do I do wonder full season of Spencer Dinwiddie, like is he going to be cuz Dinwiddie I didn't think that was a fit at all. Uh and he he played, played out, out, of out of his mind. mind. He was great. And, that, I, uh, yeah. and now all, all yeah, also I you mean, lose Brunson so like how much more is Dinwiddie have to do? Yeah, I'm with you. There there's some question marks in Dallas, but I I I'd be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. Well, needless to say, it's going to be a very, very interesting season. I think this Mitchell trade definitely made things a bit more interesting in the East. Uh, John, I think that's going to do it for the basketball talk today, something you and I both wanted to get to. Before we close uh, this episode, 
Um, I think you would agree, like, one of the best parts about covering the NBA, just the community around it, you know, it's feels great to be, I think, a part of the fabric of just the people covering this game. And uh, unfortunately, someone whom I've never even met, I've read his work for a long time, respected his work for an incredibly long time. Uh, you used to work with him at The Ringer, Jonathan Sharks, who uh, maybe people who've been listening to this podcast are familiar with his work. Um, just going through uh, just an immense uh, personal struggle right now. Uh, his battle with cancer has unfortunately taken a turn for the worse. Um uh, not much to say other than, you know, if you can help, it would be, it'd be so great if you can help him. He has a family, um, uh, his wife, his son, uh, whatever you can do to help. We're going to give out the link to the GoFundMe. Um, we'll also tweet it out, but I think it's, uh, John, remind me again. It's let's, it's, yeah, it's uh, GoFundMe.com. Let's help our friend Jonathan, Char- uh, GoFundMe.com slash let's help our friend Jonathan Sharks. You can also Google GoFundMe and Jonathan Sharks and it'll pop up. Charles is a great guy. I mean, I worked with him at the Ringer. He's an excellent uh, basketball mind. He really, really loves the game. Um, but he's also just a great dude, uh, a really nice guy. I really enjoyed working with him, and I can't say enough about him. He wrote a piece. I, I think it was like it was within the last calendar year discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with him and the very hyper rare type of cancer that he has and how unlikely this is Mm -hmm. and what happens to him moving forward and specifically like his son. And it was one of the best pieces of writing so honest uh, that I've ever read so raw and real and like just like open. Uh, And I highly recommend that's on the ringer. I highly recommend people go back and read that. Uh, if you're not familiar with Sharks, that will make you familiar with the, the type of person that he is. Um, so our heart goes out to him and his family. And I texted him the other day to tell him that we were all thinking about him and hoping for the best for him and his family. It's, as you said, a very, very difficult situation. So if you're so inclined and you do want to contribute to help him and his family and his, his son, the GoFundMe is a good place to start. And, you know, Sharks, we're sending you and your family all our love, man. Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that piece. I was in Denver, I think in March, and I was getting lunch with uh, my old editor who now works at The Ringer, Matt Dollinger, and he was telling me about that piece. He was telling me about reading it, and we were literally just in tears, like catching yeah. up, um, uh, thinking about Sharks. I, I think the gist of that piece is, you know, who's going to be there uh, for my son? Um when I'm gone and, you know, whatever you can do to help, whatever we can do to help. Um, yeah. If you can contribute to the GoFundMe, but uh, really is just such a sad story, but we, we know that the open floor globe has stepped up time and time again uh, to help people like Jonathan. So again, we'll tweet out the link as well. Uh, if you want to email us, ask me for the link, we'll get back to you. Um, it's GoFundMe slash let's one more time. John, yeah, no worries. Mess it up you can Google GoFundMe and Jonathan Sharks, by the way, it's, uh, Charks T J A R K S is his last name, but it's less. It's GoFundMe.com slash Let's Help Our Friend Jonathan Charks, um, and yeah, Great. it's awesome. We'll try to get that in the in the description as well, just so people can have it. Um, but yeah, uh, John, I think that'll do it uh, for today's episode. Again, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone who can try to help out. Uh, We really appreciate you guys. Thanks for sticking with us uh, through this break. Um, And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with with Zumo Play.